Hi there, I'm Lori Hellman, mom to Skylar, my incredible adult son with severe nonverbal autism. My goal when creating the Living the Sky Life podcast five years ago was that the content of each episode brings hope, connection, and some valuable takeaways to each listener. In sharing the many relatable caregiver stories and experiences, I sincerely hope that you never feel like you have to travel your parenting journey alone. If you haven't already, please connect with me through my Facebook page, Welcome to My Life, Skylar's World, or Instagram, Welcome to My Life underscore Lori Hellman. And let's keep the conversation going after each episode airs. If you are enjoying the podcast and are listening on Apple iTunes or Audible, please leave a rating and a written review and share Living the Sky Life with others. Thanks again for tuning in and subscribing to season five of Living the Sky Life. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of Living the Sky Life. I am thrilled to have my friend Kate Swenson on for the third time, actually. Each time we talk about something completely different. Um, But for those of you who are not familiar with Kate, she is the founder of Finding Cooper's Voice and the nonprofit The More Than Project. She is a mother to four kids, a wife, and a proud Minnesotan. Kate writes and creates videos about her life as a mother and an autism advocate for Facebook, Instagram, and her website, Finding Cooper's Voice. Kate became a published author in 2022 with her book, Forever Boy, a mother's memoir of autism and finding joy, which highlights the transformation that she went through after her son's diagnosis. Today, Kate and I are going to be talking in my marriage series about relationships since she was so forthcoming in her book about marital ups and downs that can happen in any relationship. One of the hopes I have with this series is that we can dispel any myths that people have a perfect marriage. There is no such thing. It takes a lot of hard work and dedication to making it work uh, from each other. So with that being said, please enjoy my conversation with Kate Swenson of Finding Cooper's Voice. So welcome back to another episode of Living the Sky Life. I'm thrilled to have my friend Kate Swenson of Finding Cooper's Voice on for the third time. (laughs) Each time it's different. I think the last time was when your book was coming out. And um, so we've always got something new to talk about. But I I wanted to talk to you a a lot about the book. Um, You are so open and candid about your relationship with your husband during the whole diagnosis years. And and I openly talk about my divorce and my book. And I feel like it's it's a topic that we get a lot of questions about because we're honest about it. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people that have relationship questions, communication questions with their partner and no one really wants to talk about it. And I'm just glad that that you did um, and that you put it out there. So um, that's what I kind of want to dive into with this series about marriage and relationships is how you navigate through some really tough times when you have a child that has disabilities and it, it's a family, as you say all the time too, it's a, it's a family disorder. Autism doesn't just affect our child or children, it affects everyone in the household. So I guess let's just start by, um, for those few people out there who haven't read your book <laughs> and don't realize that you and Jamie, um, 
you just celebrated an anniversary. You guys have been married, what, 15 years? We say 15 years. Yep. And then someone, count all of it. <laughs> someone will like typically make a joke and say like once removed, you know. Oh gosh. I've never heard that. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, no. you guys have been married and together quite a long time. And it was a, a rocky road during the years of trying to get a diagnosis for Cooper, right? So Kind of, kind of, can you explain for people kind of a snippet of the book and, and how you and Jamie just were not connecting? Yeah, I'll tell you a funny story first. So when you write a book, um, it goes through this, you write it, you submit it, it goes through this editorial process. It's kind of a long back and forth. And then at the very end, there's, and I'm sure you know this, there's legal, like legal mm -hmm. steps in and like people have to sign that it's okay to write that. And if you, if, if they don't want it, you change names, you change location, you just kind of change things and the first thing legal flagged was they're like jamie needs to like give his blessing for this whatever the legal ease is and i said i had a form and i'm like do you want to read the book first i've been begging him he's like oh i trust you so he <laughs> signed it and then it took him like six months to listen to it on audio and when it was when he finally listened to it he's like wow you really went for it there really cheered <laughs> it up. and i was like uh yeah so um, yeah, Jamie and I were married um, 15 years ago in September, and one of the things that I wanted to do was have babies right away, and looking back, I wish we would have enjoyed each other. We got mm -hmm. pregnant right away, and now, hypothetically, if we would have had a baby that allowed us to live our married life typically, mm -hmm. maybe it wouldn't have mattered as much, but we didn't have that. It wasn't part of our story, so our life the second Cooper was born changed drastically. And for context, all of my friends had babies at the same time. Mm -hmm. And most of Jamie's friends were having babies at the same time. So we had lots of little kids. And we watched them go back to their pre-baby, I'm air quoting, pre-baby lives where they were camping or boating or traveling or doing whatever they were doing. And our life stopped. Mm -hmm. We had a very challenging challenging cooper he refused to travel he didn't sleep in hotels he screamed in the car he um couldn't do any of the things very technology focused from a very young age and the way i describe it in the book is like it was like our world was shutting down it was getting smaller mm -hmm. doors were closing the invites stopped coming the do we split up and one of us goes one of us stays home started happening and it put this invisible stress on us from a, in the years that we should have really been enjoying and having fun. Um, we weren't, we weren't, it was, um, and I knew right away that something was different with Cooper. If you hear mm -hmm. me present, I say, I know from the second he was born, mm -hmm. I didn't know what autism was. I didn't know. I mean, I, I was no, I, was, I didn't have a crystal ball, but going on to have more kids, something was different from Cooper the second he was born. And I started saying that right away. And Jamie almost, it seemed like he thought I was um, like a traitor or why was I saying these things about our baby? And I'm like, something is wrong. Mm -hmm. And um, I really fought for the diagnosis alone. Now to give Jamie credit, he came to every appointment, right? But he sort of bucked the process. It was, mm -hmm. it was, it was not seamless. I had to cut back hours at work because daycare couldn't accommodate him, which is very common with these kiddos. Um, and, and, I, and Jamie just kept living life and I dove into autism so head first. I mean, I just, I lost myself. I was a martyr. Um, I can pause there for questions, but it, um, 
everything changed really quickly. And I don't know if we had the framework and, and the groundwork laid to go into it equally. Well, I think, I mean, I can speak for myself and, and maybe you felt this way too, but I, I wasn't someone who wanted to be home on maternity leave for like, no, you know, either. eight months. And people are like, I'll take a year if you'd let me. I, I was quit. I was six, six weeks and I want to go back to work. So I was even that during that six weeks when Skylar was having, you know, significant issues with his hypotonia and other things, pre-autism. I'm like, this is awful. Like I resented my ex-husband so much because he left every day and went to work and engaged with adults. And it's, I guess, foreshadowing because I didn't realize that that would kind of be my life for the rest of my life, in a sense, that I'm feeling left out of things that people my age are doing and people with kids, our kids' age are doing. And it's hard not to resent your partner, even though it's not their fault. Somebody has to go to work and pay the bills and stuff, but it's not fair. Oh. I didn't sign up for that. Oh, uh, that I mean, I can 100% me. So I always say... I, I'm not meant to be a stay-at-home mom, and I right. and I'm saying that in a shining light on 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 the women that do that or the, the parents that do that. Yeah, exactly. I um I get antsy and anxious. Like I love I love working, so and also in the beginning of our marriage, Jamie was the breadwinner, and so his he worked he had a really good job at a bank, and he had to have his butt in the chair, right, um seventy five yeah. or whatever the hours were, and. I went back to work, but I had to immediately cut down to 32 hours. And then I think I went one more down too, which was a financial strain, huge financial strain. But I started bringing Cooper to speech and to OT, into the play groups. And I would call my husband crying after every single one, no lie. And I remember he always answered the phone. And I know he probably couldn't or shouldn't have or was busy, but he always answered the phone. And I, and I remember the sentence, there's something wrong. Like there's something wrong. Something's not right. When you see how different your child is. And so there, we had the animosity. I call it animosity. Like I was like, this is not fair that, and then I almost felt like, did you ever feel like he didn't believe me because he wasn't seeing it. Like I was like, I remember like we'd go to speech and like it would be hell to get from the parking lot the car to the parking lot he wouldn't take the elevator we'd have to take the stairs i'd be sweating he'd be running around the room he wouldn't participate we'd leave and i'm like it was so bad i remember like he'd be like is it that bad and i'm like did he only see it in snippets though like yeah. if yeah. he had done that every day i mean one of your yes. examples similar i remember taking skyler to gymbury and i left there in tears because he just yes. rolled around on the floor and, yeah. and couldn't participate in anything. And people were staring at us and other moms were kind of smiling, giving me that like passive smile. Like, Same, exactly. Oh, still happens you know. today. I know. And I'm just like, I'm sick and tired of people looking at me and looking at my kid and counting us out. And it was the same thing. It's like, oh, I'm sure you're exaggerating. It's not, yes. you know, you're, and, and did, did Jamie or anybody ever question you with postpartum? Because I know postpartum is more depressing on, on yourself and things, but maybe you were looking for things, you know, for drama effect. Did people ever think that you were, you know, so making really something funny. out of nothing? So I have a slide in the presentation that I give when I go to school districts and all the different uh -huh. places to present. And it says um, the things that I was told right away. Um, um, he's a late bloomer. Boys are lazy. Um, yeah. You're a first day mom. They're all pretty common. But I was told by numerous people that I probably just had postpartum. 
Jeez. And the thing is, that wasn't my story. Now that, yeah. that that's many people's stories and is very valid and needs to be taken very seriously. But I actually was like, well, maybe I do. And that's why this is so hard. Mm -hmm. But I did. Yes, right. I was told the same thing. Man, that is so interesting. So if you're coming home and you're stressed out from these adventures with Cooper, and I guess you don't feel like you have um, a listening ear in Jamie at that time. I mean, it's so hard that maybe he doesn't want to keep pushing for diagnosis and you do. I mean, I, I know in your book, you go through hearing and all of the things that Cooper went through until you finally got the autism diagnosis. Did Jamie even understand or agree with the autism diagnosis when it came? Or was he still like, this is not what this is. We can so fix it quick. Something really unique about my husband, I think is unique. And we, we laugh about this now because <laughs> it still happens. Jamie is very black and white. There's no gray area for him. There's nothing. And, and I live entirely <laughs> in the gray. Like mm -hmm. I'm like, woo, you know, and he, um, I have no problem challenging things. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, um, what's the word? I'm non-confrontational, but like, I, I mean, I can challenge things. And so the second we were told it was autism, it was autism. So I had that in my corner. What I didn't have was an emotional partner. And this is something that we're still dealing with today. We're still working very hard as a couple. Um, and, you know, we can talk about this in a little bit, but the, the challenges of raising a child with autism or any disability don't go away. And we, we, we continue things to continue to arise. And so often I just need someone to be sad with me. Mm -hmm. I need someone to grieve with me. I need someone to listen. And he's black and white. He's a fixer. So he'll, um, he's never, ever been able to give me what I need emotionally. And that's something that we have to, it's a challenge in our marriage. Mm -hmm. Is that with true of all the kids or just Cooper? Um, Is there something that we haven't? That okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just wondered no. if it's, yeah, if it's more of that. Well, I mean, you, you're very clear in the book and, and I, um, I appreciate you saying it this way because I think most people assume that if a marriage fails, cause I mean, most, most marriages, the percentage is really high when you have a special needs child of the divorce rate. Um, but that you, you say specifically, I will not say that having a child with special needs caused our divorce because it didn't autism wasn't the problem and it didn't ruin our marriage. Um, and I love that you point that out because I would never want Skylar years from now to think that I divorced my ex-husband because of him or he was just too much. I think I, I've given him a better life and I'm a better mother because I'm no longer in that marriage in that relationship just for me. But, um, I mean, will, will Cooper ever know you think, will, will you guys ever tell him that you guys split up for a time or is there, re there's really no need for him to know that I guess, or any of the kids. Well, uh, as of right now, cognitively, I don't think that would ever, yeah. he would ever understand Connect. that. I, mean, mm -hmm. I always presume competence and he's, you know, a very smart dude, but I don't know if he would ever know that, but I do have a, a funny, sad story at my book launch. I had Sawyer come sit with me with all our friends and family. Mm -hmm. And I read him the letter, which is my favorite part of the book. So I read him the letter that I wrote to him. He and Sawyer is just, oh, just all heart. He is. And he's sweet. He is. <laughs> <laughs> and he cried and he hugged me 
And then the next part I read was, um, I can't remember what it was, but it was relevant to my divorce. So the next sentence out of my mouth was, and when Jamie and I were divorced. And so Sawyer, he, he put his arm on my shoulder. He's like, what? <laughs> and so like, I was like, so, and people gasped. And I like, I like, it didn't even click yeah. until I said it. And I made a joke. I was like, oh, here comes the counseling bills or the therapy bills, you know? <laughs> and so after I was like, do you want to talk about that? And he's like, no, I'm good. And I mean, Sawyer has a safe space to ask anything. We yeah. I, I work really hard at that. And it's never, you know, he's never really brought it up again. Mm -hmm. But but no, I've wondered, um, you know, I, I don't think we're embarrassed about it either. I think- Oh, it, you shouldn't um, be. No, like we were better parents while we were apart, I think in that time, like you just said, like we, mm -hmm. we weren't, the way, the way I describe it, it, it wasn't autism that caused us to split up. But autism turns the temperature up. Mm -hmm. It's like flame under under a gasoline. Like it just turns it up. And um, it just exploded. Mm -hmm. It was just too hard. Well, and maybe he'll have questions later. Sawyer will. He's such an empath. You know, he just, I mean, just being around all of us moms when we were in town, it's like, he's just this, he's like all of our little boys. <laughs> I just, uh -huh. I adore him. Um, so how did you guys... I, I know you talk about your trip um, to Vegas and how Jamie really kind of kind of came clean on his emotions. He finally, something clicked with him and he finally was feeling everything you had felt years earlier. It just took him a lot of time, which that's, that's fair, I guess. You know, everyone processes in different ways and different timelines, but mm -hmm. how were you confident that this relationship would work and get better with your communication, with your, you know, even now you've said you need more of an emotional place to land sometimes and you're working on that. So how mm -hmm. have things changed this time around, you know, kind of fixing things? Um, oh gosh, that's an, uh, so when we came back together, um, and for context, I bought a house when we were divorced, Jamie rented, mm -hmm. but we saw each other twice a day. I was the <laughs> right. home base. So we still traveled together. We still did family photos and holidays together. It was the weirdest. We never really should have probably got fully went through the divorce right. because it was expensive and a headache. We should have just been separated. <laughs> separated, yeah. But I'll be honest, I'm a, a box checker. I needed to like have control Clarity. of this thing. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I, there's a funny story in the book about how after our, we went through the hearing, I was like, do you want to grab lunch? And he's yeah. like, no, I'm going to go fishing. And I was like, <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> got me off and off he no. went. <laughs> yep. So funny. So we came back together and we did not, how do I wear this? I don't know, we're not in the negative way. We met each other where we were at on the autism level. It was, it was really beautiful. It was, um, we really settled into our roles. Jamie took on like the Medicaid waiver side. I took on the school side, ABA side. Um, the next real hurdle we had was medications, which Jamie's pretty quiet. He's, he's that black and white guy. And um, I'll tell you, we put him on one, one medication and um, Cooper was legit climbing the walls. And like, Jamie was like, done. And that was like, it was weird to see that reaction from him because he was just so mm -hmm. even keel. Um, but we had to be each other's teammates. You, This is such an uphill climb that if you're fighting someone, you're not going to make it. Right. 
And so um, we really kind of went into this more like mechanical, like let's let's check all the boxes, let's get them everything we need, let's really work towards. And we settled into a good place. We also had two more kids. Mm-hmm. We moved, took up a lot of our time. I always say one of the things that really helped me heal with Cooper, and this is going to sound funny, and I don't know if you can relate to this, but was distraction. Once I had four kids, I couldn't focus 100% on autism anymore. Mm-hmm. It, it couldn't consume me. Um, now that Cooper's 12, we are having things arise again. We're having a lot of challenges with school. And Jamie and I are not meeting each other where we're at. We are. We had a pretty good week-long argument with lots of tears where I want to fight. And he's like, let's just do what they say. And mm. I'm like, but it's wrong. And and yeah. so this is a really cute story. His mom came over yesterday and she's like, why is Cooper only getting half days of school? And I came right out and said, because I don't have a partner to fight the school district with. And she goes, what? <laughs> and I was like, and Jamie was in the kitchen and he's like, is it worth the fight? This is real life, right? Mm-hmm. And then the other thing that we're really struggling with, and I'm, I'm sure you can relate to this, is I just turned 40. Cooper is going to be 13 next next month. I am starting to have real debilitating fears about what's going to happen after I die. Yeah. I don't know where it's coming from. It was 40. It, it hit me at 42. I'm almost 50 and it hit me at 40. <laughs> I wake up at night. Yeah. I, 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 I cry. I'm terrified. I, um, it's consuming me. Mm-hmm. And Jamie has none of that. None. Maybe he does, yeah. but he's never, and, 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 and so now to flip, bring it full circle, I have resentment that I feel like I'm worrying alone. Yeah. Why isn't he worrying? Mm-hmm. So it, it, there are no answers. You, I mean, we, there's no answers. There's no guidebook. There's no, it's mm-hmm. so hard. You can't just find a counselor that's going to talk to you about this stuff. It's like bizarre. Yeah. I found myself actually having this conversation with Josh the other night about how Again, I feel like all these things are are hitting me as foreshadowing that I should have maybe seen before, but I was just talking about um, early intervention and how everyone is just constantly throwing early intervention, hurry and catch them up. You have a certain age and that Skylar aged out of those state funded therapy programs that they provide at three. And then he aged out of a few other things just because the services only, only see kids like a, a certain ABA center in town only sees kids till they're 12 or something. And they don't take any kids the, beyond that. And thing. now he's almost 21. And I'm like, oh my, oh my God, we are almost at the precipice of him aging out for good. It is all of these aging out conversations that I, like you, am so overwhelmed and stressed with. Josh is good. Um, about talking through those things with me. So I'm so grateful for that, but he's more the research side too. He's like, all right, we'll get our laptops out tonight and we'll start looking at Minnesota and we'll look at Colorado and some of the places that we've talked about moving to, and we'll make lists and we'll do all of these things, which I so appreciate. So I, I think for us, we didn't get started in that place. I had to tell him what this is need. what I need. Yeah. Because I was the worst at delegating though. I, as much as I bitched and complained that he wasn't helping me, 
I also would always turn down. He's like, well, I can run and get that. I'm like, no, I got it because I know how to do it. Same, 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 same. So I'm like, okay, I can't expect his assistance and help with things and emotionally meet me where I am if I continue to refuse him from helping me. So how did you find a balance with Jamie when you guys kind of got back together and communicated and did you say to him like, okay, this has to change this specific thing, or this isn't going to work. What is it that you had to have from him? Okay. So do you believe in love languages? Like, oh, absolutely. Language- okay. So if anyone listening, like you will, be, your mind will be blown by the love languages. <laughs> I'm worth of affirmation, by the way. <laughs> okay. So Jamie is, um, acts of service. Yeah. I could see so that. Jamie will put gas in my car. Jamie <laughs> will, um, you know, all those things like, um, I, I am like physical touch. I'm probably words of affirmation, Mm -hmm. same. And um, so when you have a completely and entirely different love language, it is very hard to get what you need. And but once you recognize it, so I was the same as you. I actually, I'll refer to myself. I was a martyr. I did everything because I was the only one that could do it. But then I would have animosity about, about him for not sitting on hold for not faxing forms for not fighting the insurance company Mm -hmm. and it's like how do i be angry at him when i won't give him anything to do so when we came back together i vividly remember sitting in this tiny kitchen that we had and i was like i am giving you the waiver stuff i am giving you medicaid i am giving this to you and it is hard it is awful and you will hate it And it took so much off my plate. And I will tell you, he came to me like, and this was actually, I think, scratched from my book because my editor said I sounded condescending, but he came to me after (laughs) and was like, I don't know how you did this and worked full time. I don't know how you did this. And I'm like, because I spent 10 hours a week at my desk on hold doing this. And Mm -hmm. he's like, I don't know how you did it. But it was like. I couldn't, I recognize that I couldn't get the emotional side, but I could give him this tangible, mm-hmm. whatever things to do. Wow. Well, that's impactful to even know that you're willing and able to give up some of those things and how that feels. It's so nice and reassuring though, even though it's hard to hear when someone says, how do you do that? How in the hell do you do all of that? And you just, I don't know. I never have a good answer for that. You just do it. Like you just do it. I mean, I don't challenge that to anything else with any of your other kids. If Sawyer needed something and you had to sit on hold for 10 hours to get him what he needs, you would do it. If it's not autism related, you would still do it. That's just a mom, I think. I I just think that's- Here's how I describe, and I've been talking, so, and I'm sure you can relate to this. Like as our kids get older, like our purposes and I think our roles in advocacy change. So- now like my purpose is like i want to help moms i want to i don't want any mom to ever feel alone i want to help shatter stigmas so cooper can be in this world and um oh, my mind just oh so the the thing that i didn't understand about advocacy when cooper was three and four and five is we're fighting for basic rights mm-hmm. that's why we do it and that is the misconception people think that we want the red carpet rolled out they, tr- they truly do. There is someone sitting somewhere that's like, oh, you just want the red carpet rolled out for your kids. You want free stuff. You want handouts. I want a building, a school that Cooper can go to. I want a teacher that will like him. Mm-hmm. I want a bus that will safely transport him. I want, and people, 
I want his, his right to go to the lunchroom, to be there. And people, they don't want to hear that. They don't want to believe that you and I, you're fighting for something for your son to do after 21. He can't sit on your couch for the rest of his life. No. He has to do something. You need to be able to do something. And they have no idea. You know, the neurotypical parent, this is my soapbox, I'm sorry. Because like I No, I, I agree with all this. A 10-year-old and a 4-year-old and a 2-year-old, Sawyer just goes to school. Yeah. Sawyer just goes to sports. Today, we're going, my husband and I have a date tonight. We're going to a Minnesota Twins game. Nice. Sawyer's I'm going to ride the bus home with another family. He's going to watch their, his friend's baseball game, and then they're going to this fall festival at school. That will never happen with Cooper. Mm-hmm. Cooper has never had anyone pick him up and take him anywhere. None of this will ever happen. I am, I don't, you know, and I just, I just think that, you know, mom's like at the age point that we are, and you're even more, you're ahead of me. We have to start peeling back this, this layer and showing that we just want basic rights. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they're so underestimated about what they're able to do, but we are too, as, as parents, it's yeah. funny when people say, well, just get a sitter. Oh, good like, grief. I know. I'm just like, okay, A, if one more person tells me to get a babysitter for Skylar, who is almost 21 years old, I'm going to lose it. He's not a baby. He doesn't need a babysitter. What he needs is a friend. I would love for him to have a peer, a male peer, come pick him up and take him walking on the walking bridge like we do with him. Or he could do the same things we do with them, just it's somebody else. I know. My that's dream. all I want. Do you know how much Cooper would love and adore if someone picked him up and took him to Starbucks drive through to get a cake pop, he would think it was, and, and I say this on lives keep, and I always think that like someone in my family life's going to like call me up and be like, no. but back <laughs> to the babysitter thing, just to kind of shine light on how hard it is. Um, we don't have any help right now. Um, mm-hmm. And Jamie's parents are very, we have wonderful, I have wonderful in-laws. They live close by, but they're in their mid seventies and Jamie's dad um, can manage Cooper if something happens, but his mom can't. Mm-hmm. She's five feet tall. She's very frail. And she had a couple of years ago, he got frustrated, dropped to the ground, and she claims it was not his fault. He swiped her legs and she fell. So she's scared. So, like yeah. tonight, you know, there's it's things that you wouldn't even believe. So, like, for example, we have to have both grandma and grandpa come. And then um, someone's going to have to go pick up Sawyer. Well, it has to be grandma. Grandma doesn't want to drive at night, but grandpa can't go because he can't leave Cooper home alone. I mean, it's, you wouldn't even believe the complications in it just to do what everyone else takes for granted. I think those are the things too that, you know, in relationships that are challenging and can lead to the demise of, of a family and and a marriage. Because if you already have some of the struggles with communication about whose role and who's going to do what to support the child with special needs then, you know, it's, it's also very easy for people to say, besides get a babysitter, like, you know, you guys need to schedule a date night, like a weekly date night or whatever. My first thought goes to the single parents because I was single for quite a long time, raising these two kids. Yeah. That That's not easy either to try to get out of here. But then even if Josh and I on the rare occurrence, when Kendall was home and she, as long as he was asleep, she's like, I'll, I'll watch the house with him in it, but like, I'm not yeah. going to go change his pull up, which I would never have her do anyway. But the very few occasions that we've ever been able to get out of here, we talk about Skylar almost the entire time. And I feel guilty and I worry, and we just have a quick dinner. And then we head home. We're just mm-hmm. not gone for long. And I am envisioning what our marriage is going to look like later if we don't have a placement for Skylar when he's an adult 
are we ever going to have a relationship that's just us again, like empty nesters experience? I will never know what an empty nester life looks like unless I can find a loving, caring place for Skylar to live outside of our home. Well, so. and you just touched on something, you know, multiple things, but you know, one thing that's really powerful is I call it the emotional weight of having a child with a disability. You will never set that down. And so where no matter, and, and the visual I usually give is I usually say that sentence when I'm presenting, you know, to a school district and I'll say, I have my phone up here right now because if Cooper's school calls, I have to step away and take this phone call. And I'm being a little dramatic with that, but like we are never, never not worrying. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's entirely different. I can, I don't think about Sawyer and Harbor and Winnie in that way, but with Cooper, I never know what could be. Yeah. So it's like, it's, it's this emotional weight. And I think that I often wonder the older I'm getting, what is this doing to my, bo my body? Do you ever mm -hmm. think that? Yeah. And I mean, that to your point, like, people don't like I work out in the morning now, like at yeah. 530, like as soon as I wake up or the minute I drop him off at his ABA center, I hurry and get it done because I'm anticipating a phone call. Like he's had too many BMs today with his Crohn's flare up. He's, you know, aggressive. We, you guys need to come get him or whatever. And if I put things off, whatever it is I needed to do that day, inevitably they always call me to come and get him early. And I think that's my biggest fear is he's at this program for one more year and he's eight to four there. And that eight to four is when I work and when I get things done. And what am I going to do when there's no eight to four I'm on the clock? I never can ever clock out and put in my time notice. Like I'm done with this job. I feel like this is, I mean, this is just so, I don't have a lot of people to talk to about this and you, you totally live it because so there's no summer programs for a child like Cooper. I'm sure just like your son, there, there's no summer programs. People are always like, Oh, what about that one autism camp? Cooper's too, is too severe. He's unable mm -hmm. to go. Um, I wouldn't trust him. Even if I had a PCA, I wouldn't trust. And I don't want to go to summer camp for a week, whatever, whatever the circumstances may be. There's lots of different ones. I work full time, you know? So, you know, from May, whatever, June one, whatever, he's home every single day. Let that sink in. And what's hard about it is, and where I get frustrated is I can't even go for a walk. I have this new puppy. It's beautiful in the summer. He can't, Cooper can maybe go, we're working on a block or two at a time, but it is like molasses and it's constant encouragement and motivation. It's exhausting and I'll do it. I'm doing it, but it's not, not, not enjoyable yet. So it's like, that scares me to death after 21 or whatever the age is, mm -hmm. will he be here for the rest of his life every second? And I don't think people understand that and they don't want to hear it. They see it as complaining. They see it mm -hmm. as whining. And it's like, no, it's not. Like Sawyer's going to leave. Sawyer's going to go. He's going to go live his life, which is heartbreaking in itself. But like, that's the natural progression. It's not natural for your child to live with you forever, even though I want him to to be safe. Mm -hmm. Well, so and parents talk about that all the time. Like, you know, I don't mean it to be mean, but I can't wait till my kids go to college. Like when they're in that 15, 16 age or they move out on their own so we can get our life back and travel and do all these things. And, and people kind of semi-complain about being empty nesters that it makes them sad that their kids have grown and the time goes so fast and all that. I'm like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know. I mean, I do have that experience with Kendall and I really greatly appreciate having 
two completely different kids. So I can experience all the quote unquote traditional things with her, but I I'll never probably utter the words in my life. Like, man, time goes so fast and your kids are gone before you know it. He's never gone. And so, so I, I mean, Josh and I are just trying to figure out like, okay, I mean, that's the, that's the honest truth. Our marriage now revolves around where Skylar is going to have the best chance at an adult life. And we're going to move there. He's going to switch jobs. I may switch jobs or quit my job because if I have to be the caregiver and those are marital conversations that we're in right now, that people don't have to plan for when they don't live this life, they can just sell their house and buy a house in Hawaii and like mm -hmm. just jet around the country. But so our lives until we die will revolve around Skylar. I know that sounds horrible and morbid, but it, 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 no, is. it just is. It just yeah. is. And oh. so we're starting to have conversations too. And Jamie and I have always, um, and I, I don't know if this will happen, but we've always agreed really easily that Cooper would live with us forever. Now that Cooper's getting older, I, that was when he was, you know, three, four, five, mm -hmm. be with us forever. I'll tell you parents of younger kids, the conversation starts to evolve because, um, I, Lori and I have a friend, Gina, whose son Carter, um, is in a group home setting at 18. He has severe nonverbal autism and he is so happy. It's like his, it's, his, it's changed my whole perception. My he whole, changed mine too. <laughs> yep. And that's a whole other conversation, but, um, there's a, there, there may come a time where Cooper doesn't want to live with us. We're going to be keeping him safe and making sure that he's, you know, all his needs are met. But Jamie and I've had these conversations cause like he wants to have a place in Arizona. Well, what if Cooper can't fly by then? What if he still can't go to a restaurant? Jamie's like, I want to golf and play sports. So that's, that's what his dad does. Well, I can't be stuck, stuck. I'm saying it with Cooper. No, and that's the words I used to. And it's like, I don't, and would Cooper want to be stuck with me? We can look at it the other way too. Like I'm going to be one of my seventies. Is he going to want to sit with boring old mom? I can't be taking him to every train station. So like these things are happening in real time. And, and you're, you, I, th I feel like you're just, you have to just start to feel the feelings and think about the different scenarios and grieve and hope. And, and I don't, it's, it's the hard, it's harder. It's harder. I thought the hardest part was the diagnosis, the early years. I think it's this stuff. Yeah. It is the stages of grief that you've mentioned recently. And just like now that Cooper is about to be a teenager and you're going to go through those same phases of, you know, and, and Jamie should too, I would imagine like when all of Cooper's peers are getting driver's licenses and then the thing that hit me, it wasn't so much all of Skylar's old playmates that were getting those things or, or you know, hitting those milestones, um, um, rites of passage, I guess. It was when Kendall did it because okay. she's my baby. And when Sawyer gets his license, you're going to be so excited and nervous and all the things for Sawyer. That's when it hit me like this should be the second time I'm at the license branch. This should be the second time that I'm going to graduation. This yeah. is the second time that I'm looking through college, you know, entrance applications and all of these things. And I'm doing all of these with my baby that I should have already done and given her advice. Skyler. Yeah. Yep. And so, I mean, handling all those firsts and my emotions around those with my marriage and not, I, I just, I'm not always the best communicator. So I internalize a lot of that stuff and then I'm sad 
And then I blow up at Josh about the dishwasher being loaded incorrectly because there is a correct way to load the dishwasher. Yeah. And it's like it's the stupidest thing. It and is. I and I feel bad because he is my rock and you know support system. But I mean, do you kind of snap on Jamie about like <laughs> random things that well we just had um we had the hardest August for for all the reasons some that I won't go into, but all, we just had a really hard, mm -hmm. hard month of marriage. We were not communicating. We were not kind to each other. We were mean to each other. We were arguing, we were fighting, which is so hard when you have a 10 year old who now understands mm -hmm. and hears, oh my gosh, it's so hard to have problems in your marriage when you have kids that internalize it. Mm -hmm. So trying to navigate all this and it all came to a head. This is in real time, two weeks ago, we came together at 9 a.m. and sat on the couch. All the kids were at school and daycare and we talked it out. And it was the first time in years and he referenced how hard autism is. And then he said something he's never said before. He said, and it's gonna be hard forever. And that was such a, like a breakthrough for him. I mean, it was just, and maybe that's why he was being so crabby for this whole month. Like you had just said, I think he was snapping on me, but it's like, you know, the way I describe it is like, you know, four kids is insane. Sawyer's in three sports. We have jobs, Sawyer's in two sports, Cooper's in two, it's, it's never ending. And then you have autism. Mm -hmm. So um, we, yeah, I don't know. We need it's just we a need whole to, other layer. <laughs> we need to like, and, and do you guys do therapy? Like, we need to talk to someone, but we've never really done it because we've never found anyone that understands our life. I had a, <clears throat> I've had the same therapist for a long time that I started seeing when I was going through my divorce. And um, Josh came with me once to talk to her. It was new into our marriage, and um. And just to help better understand me, because again, going from a single mom who handled everything, I was not good at delegating. And I'm the one who said, why don't you come with me to a therapy session? So maybe she can better explain to you why I'm the way that I am. And then yes. she can tell me to let go of all the control and to like, give you a little bit more. Um, but I, I've just learned that one of the things I was doing, and maybe he was too, that I finally said to him in one of our conversations is that I was projecting so much on him and I didn't mean to, he would say something and I'm like, oh, well, you know, I, I took offense to it, I guess it was Skylar related, especially, um, it's not at all what he meant. And it wasn't the, what he said. It was just, I projected my own, I guess the crap that I've heard from other people about our life and about Skylar and whatever. I just, snap on him. And I just had to learn to be a better communicator mm -hmm. because he's not a mind reader. So I think, you know, we I'll don't go to therapy now. That but... we had. I think this will just, I don't know if this will, it's very much autism related. So um, I want Cooper to be in things, in activities. I think that if Sawyer is doing hockey, football, baseball, play dates, birthday parties, I want Cooper to have things of his own too. And there's other parts of that. And I want, and so for him, that looks like Miracle League. He does therapy, therapy yeah. horseback riding, and then mm -hmm. year round, typically once a week, he does a Miracle League, whether it's baseball, right now it's basketball. Is Cooper athletic and loves sports? No, but he loves, shh, over here. He loves the, um, he loves the kids. He loves the chaos. We love the other families. We love, nope, sorry. No, it's okay. 
sound yeah. a little blonde head. So we love, <laughs> um, we just finished baseball, which was life-changing because yeah, we that was so awesome. many families. It, it, it's all the moms that are in my Minnesota group. It's just, it's changed our life. So next was basketball. So I said to Jamie, I have this animosity. Stop, please sit down. I'm going to go with dad. I have this animosity because I'm the only one that can take him and motivate him. And I'm his person, right? Mm. Underlying animosity. Jamie can be there, but I still have to be the doer. And I want just once want to sit on the bleachers and watch, right? This is my underlying own stuff. And, um, so I said, I was like, Oh, I don't want to go to basketball tonight. I just, I don't have the energy. And Jamie's like, just quit. Cooper doesn't care. Just quit. You're doing it for you. Oh, did I? Oh, I would have lost it on him. Sorry. Oh, you wouldn't even <laughs> believe the fight that we had. And I was like, mm. he deserves to be there. He likes to be there. I like to be there. You know, and um, sometimes the fight's not about the fight. Right. Yep. Yikes. Um, I know it's it's hard. You know, what's interesting, though, is as much as you say you're his person, and I, I mean, I've seen everything with your life online and I, I have no doubt that you are his person. Josh is Skylar's person. And okay. I, I was, and then I don't know if it's because he got older. Other parents try to make me feel better when I posted about this. And I was really upset because I just don't feel like Skylar appreciates me or understands me in my role and that I just do everything. And I work for him is how I feel our relationship is. And another parent said to me that because Josh is a man and like teaches him to sh like shaves his face and does a lot of those things, he's become his person because Skylar's trying to learn from Josh of what being a man is like. And I can't fill that void for him. So maybe, you know, Jamie will shift in his relationship with Cooper and take a little bit of it off of you when Cooper finally kind of realizes that he wants to emulate his dad a little bit and that he's a guy, he's a guy's guy. And maybe even Sawyer can play a part in that just to give you a little bit of a break. So, you, you know, know what's beautiful about that is that I love that and adore that. So one of the biggest challenges in our autism parenting life is that typically Cooper won't separate from me. So what that looks like is like, let's say we're at a doctor's appointment. It's me, Jamie and Cooper, and it's an important appointment. And I need to talk to the doctor. Cooper won't separate from me to talk. Like, so let's say they do the exam and he could easily go to the car, go to the waiting room. He won't separate. And instead of letting me talk, he will kick the trash can and make it so I can't distract talk. you. Yeah. Yep. The same thing happens at, you know, Christmas or it happened last night at this ice cream social. Um, he needs me 100%, but we've made progress, right? So on Tuesday night, Sawyer had a football game and I, it was, I brought him and I got to just stand on the sidelines and talk to the parents. And then who do I see come walking up? Jamie and Cooper. They had basketball and they came to the football game and Cooper sat down and I, and then back of my mind, I'm like, oh, now I have to leave, you know, I'm like, cause he won't separate from me and he yeah. And um, we set the timer for 10 minutes and he watched the football game. And then he looked at when it went off, he looked, turned around and he went to Jamie, he went, huh, um, and they got up and they left. And I have never had that happen in his 12 years. And I got to stay. And I don't know, it was this, Jamie didn't even notice it. It was this subtle shift. I was like, oh, maybe something's changing. 
Maybe you should do that with walks. We went through that with Skylar. Like he dropped, like we could barely get a house distance away and he would drop to the ground. And it was when I was with him usually. And so Josh, he's much more patient and calmer than me, admittedly. So if things are tense, he'll go, come on, Skylar, we're going to go, we're going to go for a walk. And I'm like, are you sure you want to do that? Because he's going to hit you. He's going to draw, like, it's going to be a nightmare. And he's like, we got it. And he always says we got it. And he leaves and the two of them. And now, I mean, Skylar walks our entire neighborhood, which is like a mile. And I mean, he holds Josh's, he won't hold my hand, but he holds Josh's hand the entire walk. And I'm like, Part of me is like, that's so cute. Part of me is like, you jerks. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. What about me? I'm the one who's been wiping your butt for 20 years. You know, it's like, I, yes. I, can I have I some sort of. <laughs> I bet. I have a question though. So um, during COVID in our old neighborhood, we started walking. And um, for for a year, we walked every day. And I'll tell you, we went a block, we went half a block, we drop, roll, kick, run up the driveway. I mean, it was just a joke that we walked backwards. We mm-hmm. it was just a joke, but we did it because we during COVID we had time. We just we just walked and we made a lot of progress. And everyone knew us, so like it was a very 1950s neighborhood. Mm-hmm. It was um, lots of kids. They knew Cooper. Now that we're in this new neighborhood, it's um, definitely an older neighborhood and we don't know, we know people, but they don't, people keep to themselves. Did you ever feel like you were like on display when he would like sit down and, and or do you have that like camaraderie? I don't think so. We also push him in his stroller a lot in the neighborhood. Like at the end of the day, when we pick him up from his center, he's tired and we can just tell he's not he doesn't have the energy to walk. So we'll go, let's go for a stroll in the neighborhood. And I walk the dog and Josh pushes his stroller or whatever. So everybody sees us, everybody knows. Um, So I think it's just because we've done it so long and we've lived in this neighborhood so long that it's, it's a normal thing to see us out now, but people did stop and comment when they first saw him walking and they're like, Oh, he's not in the stroller. Like, I wonder if some people think he can't walk because he was always in the stroller before, but they're like, Oh, it's so nice to see you guys. They'll roll down their window and they're like, Hey, out for a morning stroll. Cause we usually go really early in the morning. Cause he's up (laughs) to kill some time. But, um, but yeah, I just, um, again, I'm learning to manage my relationship with Josh is to let go and let him do those things. Even though it kind of pains my heart sometimes that Skylar doesn't choose me. I'm glad he's choosing him. I'm glad he's, you know, that they have that thing. And I'm just trying to figure out what my thing will be with Skylar so that I don't resent Josh <laughs> for being such a great dad, you know? You know what's <laughs> funny? Because Jamie and Sawyer have sports, the older mm-hmm. Sawyer gets, the more he's choosing Jamie. And there will be moments where it, it's, it crushes me. Like mm-hmm. It crushes me. And he's, Sawyer's even made comments over the years like, well, Cooper needs you more. Or you just stay with Cooper, mom. I'll go with dad. Yeah. It is. And you always get the babies, right? Yeah. (laughs) And we've even had comments that are like, um, I missed, you know, I I miss things. But that's that's a four kid thing, too. That's not necessarily just an autism thing. I'll miss things. And, you know, he'll say things like, well, you weren't at my game. And it's like, oh, he has so much support. And I, I go as much as I can. But we're a bigger family. There's, mm-hmm. it's different. Yeah. And even if you are there, sometimes you're probably chasing the other two and you know, you're half paying attention, but yep. yeah. Ugh. Well, I always hate asking the word advice for people, but just seeing what things were like and, and everybody changes with age and Cooper's changed. You guys have changed, but 
have, have there been things that you now, knowing what you've known all these 12 years with him, that you can set aside and they don't mean as much to you? Like if you had to get something out of Jamie or out of your marriage and there's something you could just let go that you thought you needed, but it's not that important, would there be any anything like that that you would suggest to people to just let it go? Like something that you might be harboring that's causing marital problems that's just not that important in the, the grand scheme of things? Well, I don't know if this is the lesson that I've learned recently is that Jamie and I will often need a break and we won't ask for it. Yeah, that's a and good one. that's yeah, that's when things get really bad. I've noticed is that and, and so Jamie gets very overwhelmed. I don't get overwhelmed as much, but he gets very overwhelmed. Um, and he, if if he was would if he was able to ask for the break and get it, I think it would it would really help us. So our I think our biggest issue is communication mm -hmm. and then being kind to each other. I know that sounds so simple, but like we can get really snippy with each other. We can mm -hmm. get really take jabs. And it's like, you know, we're on the same team. I mean, we really are. We're the only two that are in the trenches fighting for this boy and this mm -hmm. family. So um, we are a work in progress. I will say that. Mm -hmm. I think everybody is. I mean, nobody has the magic potion to make this all work, but I mean, it's, it, it's tr it's true we're tired so we're snappier than probably normal people are because we're exhausted but but yeah well, you, other, you're right another component to that that i've touched on recently in my lives is that i think that parents like us are so used to fighting for everything true. that that is the go-to i didn't i just like stumbled upon that mentally recently it's like we don't really know how to not fight like from like with the pharmacist at target to the the bus driver just whatever it may be like we're so used to like it being hard that mm -hmm. if it's easy it's almost foreign yeah that's true i mean that's such a good point we're always on the defensive so yes it's like we're looking for things to nitpick about well i i couldn't agree with you more and i think um you know just recently finally josh and i said to each other like listen i'm gonna i'm gonna give you this certain look you know scatters in the room i don't want to like make a big scene in front of him but I'm like Jamie, I'm overwhelmed very easily and he is not. And yes. I can just tell by Josh's mannerisms and stuff that he's, he's been hit one too many times on this Saturday. And he's like, I, I'm going to lose it. And I give him a look too. And I'm like, I am going to yell at Skylar and it's not going to be pretty if I don't walk away. And so he'll either grab him and say, Hey, let's go for a stroll or he'll say, why don't you run to target and pick up whatever you need? He like, I almost feel like I need him to give me the that's whole I, pass. That's like, basically let, what I was just saying. Yes. Yeah, just go. Have you seen that? Um, it was it's pretty powerful. That Brene Brown clip about her and her husband have this deal where, I mean, as cheesy as it is, where she's like, I only have 70% to give today. So I need you to pick up the slack. It's like, mm -hmm. it's like the marriage of like a hundred percent. It's really, you should Google it. It's really quite powerful. It helped me in my thinking. Does she just do that daily? Just say, oh, I'm at 80 today. I'm at 40 like think, today. Yeah, like, <laughs> it's, like, it's just so true. Like, I just sometimes don't have all, because our lives take 100%. Let's, let's not sugarcoat it. Like, More than that. It's, yeah, <laughs> it's like anymore. guaranteeing on crack. Like, we have to, like, really be a lot at all times. And sometimes I just don't have it. Yeah, 
I mean, I think like what you said, a, a great way to sum up really is um, communication is key. And I think, like you said about always needing to fight for things for our kids, that's a, a huge component of it too. But I feel like I'm working so hard to try to communicate and understand Skylar that I'm negating trying to communicate and understand Josh and his needs. Oh, yes, yes, yes. My own, you know, I'm just, I'm always deciphering Skylar, like this means this and this means that. And I'm missing vital clues with Josh's mannerisms. Like, oh, I'm like neglecting this part of my marriage. And I, I just want to be everything to everyone. And it's just not possible. I think I just, we just need to let ourselves off the hook about being everybody's person because we just, oh, yes, yes. there's nothing left for mm-hmm. us. Oh gosh. Well, thanks for your honesty and your openness and putting it all in a book. <laughs> yes. I'm hoping number, I'm hoping to, is your second book done? It's done. It's in the editing phase now. So yeah. oh, I can't wait. Yeah. I am. I'm hoping I have a couple proposals in the works. So we'll see nice. what comes from it. Yeah. I can't, but also it gives me really bad anxiety because last time I wrote a book, <laughs> it was during COVID. And like, I just don't know if I, it's a lot. It is a lot. It's a lot. But I'm excited. But do you have a title yet or is it secret? I don't No, I don't. I don't have one yet. It's I'm still kind of working on it. It's about motherhood and, you know, just I can't all, wait. all stages of that. So. <laughs> Yeah. Well, thanks so much, Kate. Take care and um, I'll be talking to you soon, I'm sure. Okay. (laughs) Thanks. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Living the Sky Life and we'll tune in for the next episode coming soon. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Living the Sky Life podcast within Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play so you'll receive alerts when new episodes are released. Subscribing is the best way to ensure you don't miss a single episode. If you like what you hear, be sure to select the five-star rating, provide feedback, and share Living the Sky Life with others. Thanks again for listening.